The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. Great to be talking with you, James. We finally made it. It is the eve of opening day. Congrats to you, my friend, and all the great work you did leading up to the season. And uh, a brand new, fresh update to the top 400, which will be our main topic of conversation. And I got to tell you, I'm in this constant, vicious cycle of just uh, combing through my teams. Constantly um, had to take Mondesi out of a few, but none out of my. I missed them in uh, my bigger stakes leagues. I, I missed that landmine with Alberto Mondesi in my most important leagues. I was hoping to get him in my solo main, by the way, uh, but he wouldn't have to turn, so I got kind of saved um, from Mondesi in that that league. But I'm just kind of, I'm just a fiend right now, James. I can't get enough of this. Well, what you got to do is you got to just look at your bids on Sunday night and then just tell yourself not going to look back to these teams till Thursday morning 
um, <laughs> because just so much, you know, if you go team by team and you make your lineups on like Monday, you're going to have to go team by team again Thursday morning and see who's starting and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. just do, do yourself a favor and, and relax a little. I got to pry myself away from the computer. I'm just going NB, NFBC uh, team by team. Uh, we talked last week about previewing our main event, and then we recapped it in large parts on the XM show. But uh, I thought we did pretty well, man. For those who may have missed our conversations, maybe we'll run through a few of those picks. I'm sorry about Jose Alvarado. Um, I pr- <laughs> I was I was on Team Alvarado, but he ended up being the only lefty in that bullpen. So they're going with Hector Neris. Um, I did get him in my solo one, but I'm sorry that I uh, I uh, went out on a limb for Alvarado. Yeah, that one's that one's all on you. That's your fault. <laughs> and uh, if we're if we're short on saves, it's it's going to be all on on you. I know, man. I think we're we got to hit on a few of those specs. I was surprised how far uh, Kimbrel fell to me. And. In my solo, man, everybody's off Kimbrough again. They must, actually, be watch, they must be watching him pitch. <laughs> but he hasn't been so bad in his recent outings. Has I've heard that I know that early on he was just getting rocked in spring training, but then he kind of refound some velo. I don't know. He just I think he was there in the twelfth for me. But you and I pretty much went completely the cheap cheap route when it comes to saves. Uh, but, dude, we were fortunate, I thought, to get um, not only Giolito, but then Bueller. I didn't have a chance at – well, I had a chance at Bueller in the first, but I thought we really lucked out in our main event. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen Giolito go as high as, like, eight or nine in some of these that I've seen people post on Twitter. And, um, I mean, I'm I'm not – celebrating anything yet i mean those guys could get hurt tomorrow or or in their first start or whatever so well we did already, already lose luke voigt our fifth round pick that always hurts when a couple days after your main we uh we're down you got one more draft i got one more tonight and it's an nl only and i drew the first pick <laughs> i love it yeah i got a uh, got another main event tonight so um excited for that and glad that the modesty news is out there uh, ahead of time because he might have been someone we would consider. Yeah, no, obviously Bobby Witt was not the subsequent call-up. They just brought back uh, Nicky Lopez for the time being. But you and I held on to Witt in our main. We considered dropping him after the draft this weekend just because we did lose Voigt. And uh, Trent Grisham also is on the AL. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad we held on for the time being. We'll hold on until we can't hold on any longer. With with uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, I'll I'll probably just have to sit you down one of these Sundays and, and <laughs> have and a long talk. Down. Give a give you the chat. bad news. <laughs> yeah, break it to me easy. It, be uh be gentle. But James, this this latest top four hundred update, man, great stuff. Obviously on the site, you can check it out for yourself. Rotowire.com slash pod for a free ten day trial. Top four hundred prospects. And obviously, thanks to our tech crew, up, down, arrows, double up, double down, indicating risers and fallers. And we'll go over a lot of those guys today. But anything else general you want to lay out about this update before we dive in? Uh, well, I think, obviously, I mean, a lot. You could you could argue that 
much of this movement maybe you could say is an overreaction uh but i think that you know all i'm all i'm really trying to do with these is sort of tell people sort of where i'm at on guys and this is sort of how my brain works i mean this is kind of where i think the values are and uh the type of guys that i would be trying to trade for right now based on you know whatever it is just a report or or how someone's looked this spring or just anything to do with their their status their stock so i mean i i definitely understand if if someone thinks that you know maybe why did you move someone up um or down based on something that happened in spring training i i totally get that but um it is. It's a data point. It is. I mean, it, it's not completely meaningless uh, for a lot of these guys, especially when we've we haven't seen some of them play in in over a year. Uh, I, I obviously I think spring training is mostly meaningless uh, from a performance standpoint for any sort of established big leaguer. But uh, when you have you know prospects facing a competition that is is much more advanced than them and they they hold their own or they maybe just look completely overmatched i mean to me that that matters a little bit it doesn't matter a lot in the vast majority of cases but um i i just think you you can't just ignore it 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 did happen and it is you know teams aren't just ignoring it teams aren't just not watching their prospects when they play in spring training games so um it matters. I mean, I can't wait for the minor league season to get going because that'll matter even more. But uh, I'm just trying to show people exactly kind of where I'm at on all these guys. Yeah, like you said, it's the most recent data point we have and we're in such an uncharted territory here when it comes to evaluating these guys. And so, yeah, I mean, it. I think it may be tempting to say, oh, you're overreacting. But like a guy with Alec Manoa, who, you know, I, I was down the list. We were going to jump to him eventually, but just the dominance, the level of dominance he showed. And I think myself included that kind of mental jump, the mental gymnastics it takes to like have that gear of just missing data, but know that there was development taking place. There was, there were strides being made as a player, um, but we just haven't seen it. There's no way to gauge it. And now we have a little bit of a way to gauge it. And it is, you know, it's like a, a stake being thrown to, to the wolves, you know? I uh, I love to consume it, and yeah, maybe I get carried away with a guy like Manoa. You have moved him up to 33rd, but I, I just I do put stock into what I've seen because sometimes extremes in those small samples do tell us something. And with Manoa, I mean, we're already seeing their depth being tested. I think they're starting Ross Stripling and then TJ Zoik second and third. So I'm pretty high on Manoa, and I think there's going to be a definite need for him this year. Yeah, I mean, I changed his ETA. Um, sorry about the train in the background. Um, <laughs> You're good. I, I changed his ETA um, just based on just based on what he did this spring, and like I, I didn't think he was going to debut in 2021 prior to spring training, and now I do. And you know, there's just more evidence than we had before that the the stuff absolutely plays and. Uh, part of it with me with Manoa is kind of, I mean, there, there's going to be confirmation bias. Like I, I, I don't really care who you are, like ranking 
any players for any sort of fantasy anything like there's going to be some confirmation bias that seeps in on guys that you were high on and then they kind of go out there and sort of prove it and um Manoa definitely falls into that with me where I I sort of I expected him to have a breakout year and I said that in his his outlook but I didn't expect him to kind of break out in this type of way on this type of stage like I, I thought that he would be uh, maybe breaking out at like high A and then maybe getting some double A towards the end of the year. Like to me, I think this is a guy who is absolutely on the fast track to the majors. Well, we'll jump back up the list. I just talking about spring training and the latest samples and data points we have. Manoa just jumped into my mind, but uh, jumping back up the list, we have a very new, all new number one ranked player. And you hinted at this last week, but Julio Rodriguez is your number one. Uh, another guy that we got to see in spring. And while I don't think we'll probably see him this year, there's, there's an outside chance he, he forces their hand, right? Yeah. I, I changed his ETA as well. I, I had him at 2022. Um, I, you know, I think it's, it's close to a coin flip, but I'm basically betting that he's gonna just force their hand. I mean, if, if he looks big league ready in at the end of May or early June, uh, I think it's going to be very difficult from an optics standpoint for them to just keep him in the minors for three months when people kind of think he's big league ready. We've definitely seen teams do it before, but uh, if you're going to start the clock on Jared Kalanick, and I mean, Kalanick is ob- obviously ready. I mean, he's going to be up, uh, before Rodriguez, but if you're going to start the clock on Kalanick and you're going to start the clock on Gilbert, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just start the clock on on whoever's ready at that point. And, um, you know, maybe it'll be a situation of him just needing a spot because if I, I don't think Hanniger, Kelnick, Lewis, and Trammell are all going to be raking and, and performing and healthy at, at the exact same time. Um, but I guess that that could happen, and that could kind of keep Rodriguez down. But uh, part of the reason I moved him ahead of, I mean, he's always been ahead of Kalanick for me. But part of the reason I moved uh, both of them ahead of Franco is I no longer think that Franco beats Rodriguez to the majors by any sort of significant time. Like I think mm-hmm. they're both not locks to debut this year. But I I think if I had to pick, I would bet that they both do. Very interesting. So Seattle fans celebrate dream on the future. You have the top two ranked prospects on James's top 400. Uh, I love Kalnick. I thought he was ready this time last year. Of course they're waiting, uh, but I don't see any way he's down past, you know, May 1st. So uh, really excited about Jared Kalnick. Franco. He, I mean, I took him in labor at six bucks I thought maybe you'd see some time at third. I mean, they're already down. I mean, they're already starting Yoshi Sutsugo at first with G-Man out. But you just think Franco, with with the other options, he just isn't all that much better than them right now. But he's going to overtake them. This yeah, season. they've got they've got good options. They've got like two and a half to three win players all over the infield. So mm. um, it's a high bar to clear on that team. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, hasn't, he hasn't forced their hand yet. Like, I, I mean, I think he would. Somebody's going to be struggling. Like, someone will get off to a rough start. And if, if, he, get hurt. if he goes to 
triple a and just is is awesome and looks like he's just you know not getting tested there really at all i'm sure they'll find room for him in in june or july but you know he it's not just about somebody else getting hurt or someone struggling like he also has to be holding up his end of the bargain and honestly i i think rodriguez like if you send Rodriguez and Franco both to AAA right now, I think Rodriguez is going to put up better numbers. I hear you, man. Rodriguez is a hell of a prospect. We got a glimpse of that in spring training. Exciting things to come with him. And then Bobby Witt, we said earlier, you know, in the main event, 15-team league, we'll try to hold him until we can't any longer. You may have to sit me down to a banquet of consequences and uh, lay it out for me. But do you think the Mondesi – Injury actually does affect his timetable, or are you still assuming he, he actually does play some minor league games with and uh you know probably midsummer? I don't really think it affects anything because I mean if it was if it was just a matter of you didn't think you had a spot for him, well I mean you definitely had a spot for him. <laughs> like you get yeah. you get a, you get a spot for Bobby Witt. Like this he's not any more left or any less blocked than he was before. I mean that he's already better than Michael Taylor. I can promise you that. So um yeah, I, I just think it's this is way bigger than an injury to one player. I think they have a they clearly have a plan with Bobby Witt and Honesty will be back. Uh sooner than later. I mean, he's not going to be out for months. This is going to be a multi-week absence, but um, I just I just don't think it's going to be related. Uh, I mean, they're going to bring Witt up when he's up for good, and uh, I think that that'll be hopefully sometime this summer, but you know, it, it might not be. I mean, we, we just don't know. I mean, all these guys, the only guy that we can say with extreme certainties are going to be up in the first you know couple weeks three four weeks of the season is is Kalanick. the rest of them there's a lot uh a lot of other factors at play i mean they've got to perform and there's got to be a spot but with a guy like bobby witt there it's it's much more goes into the decision on when he's going to debut than just um they're starting shortstop missing like a month with an injury yeah okay so that modest injury not really having a big impl- big implications on wit. Okay, I just wanted to touch on that. And actually, since we're on the topic of the Royals, let me ask you about Kyle Isbell, James, because he's a, a double green arrow up guy. You now rank 71 on your top 400 uh, prospect rankings. And it sounds like he's actually going to be on this team in, and in the starting lineup tomorrow on opening day. So Kyle Isbell, 24 years old. What can you tell us about him? And uh, why is he a big riser for you? Uh, just cause he kind of kicked down the door in spring training. I mean, I, I think he's ready uh, to rock. Yeah. He's, he's on the short list of guys that they're building around offensively. He's a really good defensive outfielder. I think he, you know, either center field or right field, he'll be manning that spot for a long time for them. And he's, just a really polished hitter. I mean, he's, he's definitely hit over power, but he could be maybe like a 15 homer guy. Uh, but really the big, the big selling point for fantasy is that this is a guy that can steal 20 bases yeah, that's pretty nice. easily if you get 600 plate appearances. So, 
Um, well, freely available in most leagues. Yeah, absolutely needs to be on the redraft radar and roto leagues because of that speed. And, you know, when, when I kind of envision this team sort of long term, like how the pieces are all going to fit, um, I think they have Benintendi locked in and in left field. Uh, and then I think Kyle Isbell is going to be their long term center fielder. And maybe Hunter Dozier ends up in in a corner outfield spot as well for them once Bobby Witt's ready. Uh, but I mean, Isbell is absolutely a, a long-term uh, cornerstone piece for them. And so I just, when a guy has that type of spring and sort of forces the team's hand that, you know, you got to take notice. Yeah, man, I'm thinking I might have to, uh, like we have Tout Wars fab running here in a few hours. I may have to, I don't know. I'd be throwing a bid on him. I was actually thinking too. I got him in my solo main, Kyle Isbell. Maybe I'll start him over a guy like Jackie Bradley. That seems like maybe a little bit of a stretch, but maybe not. I don't know. I just uh, I'm jumping around a little bit. I just thought uh, since we were talking about the Royals, you think that'd be uh, overdoing it, Isbell over Bradley? Uh, I would probably just let it. I would probably base my decision on who was in the. In the lineup if one of them's if one of them's in the opening day lineup and one of them isn't, I'd go with the guy that's starting because I mean, I, if if Isbell's starting on opening day and Bradley isn't, probably bet Isbell gets more starts this weekend than Bradley. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Bradley's a lock to start more than one game this weekend. Wow. Okay, that's not great to hear. So yeah, maybe I'll have to uh, to look at that. But that's kind of in the range where where Isbell is. And I, yeah, I have a, in a couple keeper leagues too, so we have to drop a player to, to make room on the roster for Isbell this right away this week. Uh, but jumping back up to the list, CJ Abrams, another guy who impressed in spring. And then Andrew Vaughn cracking the opening day roster. Good for him. Love to see that. Uh, Marco Luciano, seventh ranked prospect on the updated top 400. Spencer Torkelson, Adley Rutschman, Cabrian Hayes, Alex Kirloff, uh, Dylan Carlson. We will not go all the way down the list, but I did want to rattle some of those off. Um, Love seeing Vaughn. You and I uh, pretty heavily exposed to Vaughn, hoping he hits the ground running. Yeah, a lot of exposure. and uh, Maybe overexposed. I just, you know, I couldn't pass him up where he was going. I mean, everything was just pointing, like, this is a guy who's going to just play every day for this team all season long. Uh, That sort of seemed clear at the start of camp. And then, obviously, you got to go out there and earn it. Like, uh, Alex Kirilov didn't force the Twins' hand necessarily in spring training. And I think if Vaughn had uh, done what Kirilov did, just even if we say the guy's, like, stinging the ball and everything, I mean, if if you don't put up a good solid triple slash, the team is probably going to send you to the minors and, and get that extra year of service time. But Vaughn did what he needed to do to, to make the team. And looking like he's probably going to be 1B – OF eligible in, in a I bunch of leagues by the, by the end of the month. So um, he just, as long as he know, doesn't get hurt out there like Eloy did. Yeah. I, I, I think he's maybe more uh, realistic about what he's bringing to the table. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely not his home run robbing ability in left field. Uh, going to be playing Superman out there. That's good. 
Yeah, I, uh, I that does kind of make me a little nervous, but that added, added eligibility would be nice as long as he just keeps his wits about him out there and doesn't do anything. I, I would just sit down like when like I don't know if Larusa did this with Eloy or or you know maybe Rick Hahn or someone, but I don't know why at the beginning of spring training you don't just sit Eloy down and just tell him, look, like we DH you if we could, but you better not go get hurt playing outfield for us because we need your bat lineup every day. Yeah. Like that's just such a such a ridiculous way to to lose your best hitter for no you know, most like of the, the whole season. season. Yeah, that's terrible, man. I think uh, Leary Garcia is going to get the nod out there on opening day. I think I saw that. Uh, but the yeah, Evan should be a DH, I'd imagine. So yeah, that'll be cool, man. I uh, we will start picking through the rest of this top four hundred in a second. But a quick word from our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Fantasy baseball is here, and you've got to check out these new best ball leagues on Underdog. Best ball is the ultimate test of your live draft skills since there's no in-season management. That's right. Draft your team, and Underdog automatically credits you with your best-performing players every week. You don't need to play the waiver wire or worry about trades. It's just the draft. Who doesn't love drafting an Underdog best ball? You can draft as many times as you want because you don't have to do any roster management, saving you loads of time. Underdog's best ball leagues are drafting right now, starting at just $3. Once the season starts, Underdog also has daily fantasy and an all-new pick'em game. Go download the Underdog app now to get in on some best ball before the season starts. Enter promo code ROTOWIRE with your first deposit, and Underdog will honor a money-back guarantee during your first month. Love Underdog or get your money back with promo code ROTOWIRE. Search Underdog in your app store and enter promo code ROTOWIRE. Uh, James, one of the the guys early on in the list with a just one green arrow up, not not the dual green arrows up, but Ian Anderson. You kind of came clean on Twitter yesterday. Do you want to kind of uh, lay it out here too? Do you just uh, maybe apologize to, to Ian? I, I would probably owe him an apology. Yeah, I'd like to apologize directly to Ian Anderson. Um, I'm you know he's. Sure he stayed with us, even though we were way too low on him for a long time. He he's been a loyal listener. Um, Sorry, Ian. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, I I I'd sort of been kind of thinking in my head for the past like week or two, just like you know, maybe maybe I'm just I'm too low on Anderson and uh, maybe kind of just overrating. The quality or or overrating like just you know, pitch grades combined with his prior uh, strike throwing issues in the minors, and I need to just kind of look at him for for what he is right this this moment. And right this moment, he's a pretty dominant starting pitcher in the big leagues. He's 22 years old. It usually takes most guys. Till they're 25, 26 to really sort of settle in as that, that dominant starting pitcher against big league hitters. And, um, you know, obviously we, we've talked about the changeup a lot. I mean, that that's part of the reason why you could be, if you're just looking at like 2019 versus 2020, there was no reason to be as high on him as you needed to be to, to look smart in 2020 because he had never even shown close to that 70 grade changeup uh, prior to 2020. But he he was busting that out early and often, had a lot of success. So we we all kind of took note of the changeup. Uh, but I, I think I 
sort of was putting too much emphasis on the quality of his fastball and the quality of his curveball, and they don't need to necessarily be uh, dominant pitches just by themselves. But the his ability to tunnel the changeup off of the fastball, um, kind of the, like the changeup makes the fastball play up. So it's it's not just like just his fastball by itself. It's not a plus pitch. But when hitters know that that changeup is coming, it just kind of makes everything else that much better. And um, so I just I think I just missed the boat on that uh, part of the evaluation. But I I wanted to write that wrong before he lost his prospect eligibility. Um, so I you know <laughs> did my best there. But um, I'm sure if you've been following my rankings and stuff like that, you probably don't have. Ian Anderson, and I, I apologize for that. Well, that's all right, buddy. We forgive you. I got to say, you know, Ian Anderson's kind of like my own pit, personal pitching version of like Aaron Judge when he was a prospect. Like he had one glaring flaw with Anderson, the command, Judge, the K's, that I just didn't know if they could overcome. And I was kind of late coming around, but I got to give Ian Anderson credit too. Like he's just been great. So uh, in the spring, he's only reinforced you know, what he's done. So I actually don't have him in a single league. I'm not going to blame you, James. <laughs> I, I have my own two set eyes. I can do my own research, but it's, I, I'm finally coming around. Uh, so, so good on Ian Anderson. He is up to 20th on your top 400. Helio Ramos, double, double green arrows up. Do you want to talk about Helio Ramos a little bit? Yeah, he's just, I mean, he really caught my eye with, uh, how he looked this spring and just how uh, just dialed in he was. I mean, he was just ready to do damage, uh, big time bat speed, big time power. And I think he just really kind of, because I mean, I, before this update, I had uh, Luis Matos and Hunter Bishop ahead of him just based on, yeah, I thought they had more five category juice, but I think Ramos has the most four category juice of those three uh just talking batting average home runs rbi runs and he's clearly the closest of those three to the majors i mean he could be up in june i think that that like, there's going to be a fab weekend this summer where helio ramos is going to go for triple digits in thousand dollar fab league so love it uh, i you know, I think when you factor in the proximity, factor in the the power, the clear path to an everyday role there in San Francisco, uh, I just felt like it was time for him to to get his due. I absolutely love that. Now, James, when we were talking on the radio last week, I kind of, you know, as we were signing off, just said, "Hey, any like last thoughts on this draft season? Anything on your mind?" And you said. Uh, you're having some regret on not having Jazz Chisholm anywhere. He is up to 29th. He has a one green arrow up icon on the list here. Have you rectified that uh, lack of Jazz since we talked last? Uh, are you going to rectify that tonight? I'd love to rectify it tonight. We'll we'll see if we get the opportunity. Uh, He's getting a lot of helium. He went really high in my solo on, on Sunday. Well, it's, I, I get it. I mean, it, there's there's definitely bust potential. Um, there's not like the type of bust potential. Like you, people would sometimes talk about Adalberto Mondesi uh, before he got hurt 
and just talk about the the plate skills and like the risk that comes with that. Um, I don't think Modesty was is ever going to be at risk of losing playing time because of his bad plate skills. Jazz could lose playing time. Like he could he could totally uh, kind of cough up that, that two B job um, if he has a really rough month and it's because this I mean this team wants to compete. I don't think they're going to deal with um, six weeks worth of growing pains from Jazz if he's just not putting up competitive at-bats. But there's big-time upside if he can just hit. Like, he's one of these special guys where if he just hits, like, you're you're just hoping, like, 240, 245. And if he does that, 2020 is is very in play. And so you just kind of you want him to keep his head above water at the plate. Uh, he's definitely going to handle himself defensively at second base. I mean, he could be an excellent defender there. Um, so he just needs to hang in there, give, give competitive at bats and then he'll keep that job and he'll put up a ton of, ton of power and speed. I'm pretty excited about jazz too. And they've, they've had a lot of nice things to say to him and his the spring he's put together. He's kind of just took that job. He, uh, wrestled it away and I saw him pimping a home run, like, late february very early on i was like all right this guy's feeling himself he's he might have a spring here and he he did so we'll see what he can do he's gonna have to hit above the mendoza line uh, alec manoa we talked about another guy you know i'm kind of mad i didn't actually grab him in this last fab run before the season started some nfbc leagues but double arrows up and then trevor rogers you've been beating this drum james really before anyone and uh he's you know, seems like every day he's going four rounds higher. In the yeah, that, next that's the draft. guy. That that might be the guy that we got the most fortunate on in our main because yeah, we got him in the 18th round. Didn't he go like four rounds higher than that? Like yes, in your in your next one or something. Yep. On Wednesday we got him in the 18th. On Sunday he went in the 14th, and with the first pick of the 14th. But okay. my theory on that is that he. He, I don't think he didn't make a start in between those two. I think it's just people the cats out where, of the they, bag. where they had to take him because I think I, I think people in the main event like wanted him um, maybe higher than like the 18th where we got him, and it just kind of became a game of chicken of like, well, yeah. maybe I could get him here, maybe I can get him there, and then by that next draft, like you know, people just been like, I, I guess if I want him, I got to just really force the issue. So. Uh, I love him in the 18th, in the 14th. I mean, I, you know, there it's it's a big bat for sure. But yeah. I, I, it's I mean, not like crazy. Awesome. It's not like in a, you know, that could very well end up being a bargain too in the 14th. But uh, yeah, it does seem like just among everybody in the player pool, maybe maybe Trevor Rogers is catching the most helium of anybody right now. And with good reason. Plus, we're going to have to decide. I know we swapped him out of our lineup. I think there's maybe a chance he starts Saturday, although we may not they, want him against the Rays. They got to tell us. I mean, they're going to tell they us. They got to tell us. They better tell us. I was just looking at their week next week, and they got four in a row, and just having Rodgers kick off that series I don't think would be the best idea. Maybe you slot him in you know, third into that series so that he – um, you break up the the righties in that series. A little well, bit. I would start Rogers against the Rays personally. So should we plug him in? I mean, maybe we can't well, over I, like Dobnak since we just put in Dobnak as like a. Well, 
Dobnak is pitching out of the bullpen. Yeah. But just thought maybe since, they, you know, maybe they, they want to save pick- him and kind of piggyback him with, with Shoemaker or something like that. Um, so we, there's no there's definitely no guarantees Dobnak even pitches uh, this weekend, even though he is in the bullpen. So yeah. I I mean I'm I'm open to putting Rogers there. I just I mean, I'm gonna be basically spending like three or four hours tomorrow morning, like just getting all these lineups as, as set as I possibly can with as much information as, as we can get our hands on. So I'm just really optimistic that they tell us about who's starting this weekend in that third spot. I mean, if, if, if we don't know by the time stuff locks, maybe we just got to throw them in as a leap of faith. Yeah. I hope they tell us. I actually have the choice of in that towers head to head points, Eliezer or Rogers. So I need to know which one to start. Uh, to get those points. Uh, Michael Harris, not a guy I know a lot about, James. An outfielder in this Atlanta system, uh, 20 years old. He's got the dual green arrows up. What can you tell us about Michael Harris and why he's a riser? Yeah, I think uh, I was just, I mean, I know everyone's like mentioning me on Twitter and just like, whoa, like you're, you're driving the Michael Harris bandwagon now. Um, that wasn't, I mean, that's not what I'm trying to do here, really. I just, I think everyone maybe just kind of missed the boat, myself included, on uh, how much this guy has improved uh, since we last saw him. And I, I admit a lot of this, I'm kind of relying on um, beat writers that I trust, like Dave O'Brien with uh, The Athletic has written uh, a lot of interesting stuff on Harris over the last couple months. And I mean, he's, he's as plugged in with, with what Atlanta thinks as, as anyone. And uh, it just, it kind of seems like he has um, performed well about like an extremely advanced um, manner since last year's alternate site and through uh, this spring training run um he had uh just really really some impressive at bats um he is has a much better uh approach at the plate a much better uh strike zone awareness than a guy like drew waters in that same system and it seems like uh his emergence has maybe led to drew waters kind of being sort of the odd man out there long term like it, it it at least seems like they like he's passed waters at least in, internally and in sort of how they view that hierarchy so um this is a guy that he you know he checks a lot of the same boxes that guys like Hedbert Perez and, and Luis Matos do who are ranked about 15 spots higher than him where you're kind of hoping for plus tools across the board. Um, I don't know if he's quite a plus runner. It might be 55. Uh, but I think with the hit tool and with the, you know, maybe it's kind of like above average raw power now and it, it develops into a plus tool for him. Um, so I, I don't know if he has quite the stolen base upside of like Hedbert Perez, but I mean, I think this guy is going to debut next year as uh, in his age 2021 season and you know, he's a good he's a great outfielder great great defender out there so um just everything that i could 
get my hands on suggested that this was just a guy who needed to be way higher than I had him. And I just kind of played the game of like, would would you rather in, in like a dynasty league, would I trade this guy for him? Would I trade this guy for him? And I just, I initially thought I was going to slot him in like kind of in the seventies and I just kept moving up and I was like, nah, I think I would, I would, I'd roll the dice on him uh, hitting his ceiling because I mean, I think he's moved up his timetable by at least a year, year and a half relative to where you'd expect him to be. Um, and it, there's just there's not really a obvious flaw in his game right now. The the big question mark is just we don't have game performance to point to and say, see, like this is what he's doing. We're kind of relying on just sort of what we're hearing and what we're seeing and, and that type of thing. But I mean, this this is kind of how I think you got to play it here. I, I don't think you want to be late on a guy like this, and you don't want to trade him away um, for maybe a a player where we have more data to, to work with, but a player who doesn't have his ceiling and has started to show some flaws. So, um, you know, this is definitely an aggressive rank, but I, I think it's, I think it's where he belongs right now on a, on a set of dynasty prospect rankings. I find that very interesting, especially because, you know, it doesn't sound like you're out on waters by any means, but the fact that some people in that organization kind of, I don't know. That's uh, I hadn't heard that, and you're not like you're not down on. I'm maybe a little down on Waters. I don't want to put words I think in your Waters. Mind. Honestly, I think Waters could really use a change of scenery. Like I, I think, I think it's going to be tough for him to get a fair shake in in Atlanta because he is definitely the type of prospect who could have a a rough first like 150, 200 plate appearances in the majors. And I just don't think that Atlanta has the stomach for that right now. I mean, they're, they're trying to win divisions. They're trying to win world series. Mm. So he's going to have to, he's going to have to get better um, at triple a. And I just think there's a lot of other teams that could afford to give him a full season's worth of at bats and not really care about the results. And I just don't think that's Atlanta. Nice. Well, before we move on, I'll take care of this last piece of business we have here. Uh, baseball has always been America's pastime, but a close second is horse racing. We've got the best way to get in on the action. Stable Duel brings a new way to play the races against your friends. Similar to what we know only in fantasy football and baseball, you select your team or your stable of horses and compete against other stables for big money prizes. Watch your stable move up the leaderboard as your horses accumulate points based on where they finish the race. The app is free to download, and they offer free games you can learn how to play at zero risk. Don't know anything about horse racing? Don't worry. The app has all you need to know with free data on each horse's record, as well as a risk number, a speed number, and a value number for your best selections. This is the first game of its kind in horse racing, and you don't want to miss out. Download the Stable Duel app now and get in the game Play, Race, Win, with stable duel. So James, we talked about Trevor Rogers, that ship, uh, at least as far as getting him like at a really, really cheap price, that's kind of sailed. But one guy you could still get in mixed league. So I think could be sneaky. And you have uh, the dual green arrows up here on Tariq Skubal. And, um, you know, we both kind of had our hesitations with him, but you like what you've seen recently? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, a week ago or 
two weeks ago for sure, you would have had to take Scoobal ahead of Rodgers in a redraft league. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right. I think now maybe you would have to take Rodgers ahead of Scoobal. Um, Rodgers has better team context, I think. And I think he's just a, a better, safer pitching prospect. But Scoobal has a, a ton of strikeout upside. I mean, that that's obviously clear. His fastball is pretty devastating. And I think there's going to be some some pretty short outings from him this season. I think the command is still a work in progress, but um, on a start-to-start basis, he's got a really high strikeout upside and definitely a mixed league guy. If you're even if you're in a shallower league, I think he's going to make enough starts and and get enough K's to to be rele- relevant in pretty much all formats. Alejandro Kirk, another riser. I love that he made the team. Um, he went like so much farther ahead of Jansen and then the main I did that I ended up just taking Jansen because all the other catchers I liked were gone. <laughs> so do you see Kirk actually taking over that starters role like pretty soon or do you look at him as a backup to start this year, Kirk? Uh, well, I, I just think it's going to be tough for them to keep him out of the lineup when like, you know, like Danny Jansen's a better defender, but I mean, Kirk's just such a better hitter than... And they're already down Springer right now. Which yeah. I mean, you great. can start Kirk at DH. You can start him at catcher. I mean, he's going to be a, a pinch hit option. I just... It's going to be tough for them to keep his bat out of the lineup in the in the way that you would your normal backup catcher. And yeah. I, I fabbed him. I, I think I dropped... Uh, like 10% of my fab and the beat James Anderson online championship, I think um, once that news was official that he was, he was, surprised he was unowned or unrostered. That's surprising. Yeah. We did, yeah. we did those pretty early in March though. You and I both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did it before he really started to put up a bunch of crazy numbers in spring training. So uh, he was much more of a, a spec option back then when there was a decent chance he would open in the minors. Uh, but I mean, I think he's just a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think he's a clear top 10 redraft catcher now, just be, just because he, I mean, he could lead all catchers in batting average. I mean, that, that could totally happen. And there's some power there too. Yeah. I love that, man. That's, that's fantastic. I, uh, Forget what I was going to say when I was about to interrupt you, but it uh, doesn't really matter. Uh, but I'm uh, pretty excited about Kirk. Oh, what I was going to say is you're going to be disappointed in me because I did not draft Trevor Rogers and I had to open the wallet in my beat Clay Link League. So I know you were beating the drum early. Like you said, even after the first industry draft, like Trevor Rogers has to go in this, this draft. You were beating the table. So I, I spent like a quarter of my budget in that league on Trevor Rogers. I also got Emilio Pagan because I lost uh, lost uh, Kirby Yates. So when that Helio Ramos Favapalooza goes, I'll probably be the option out being, being as I'm already about halfway through my budget. But I think, you know, you got to reinforce your roster. I don't want to go down things without a, you know, without a decent closing staff and a 12-teamer. Well, this is one of the best 
fab runs you'll get in a league that drafted like three yes. weeks ago. I mean, there's, yes. there's going to be more so talent available. Um, so, yeah, I owe you an apology though that I I missed on Rodgers, but I had to make up for it by shelling out in fab. I think it was two fifty seven. I love seeing a couple. Well, one red and one former red back to back here. Jonathan India. He's getting up to 91. He fizzled a little bit, and his stock took a big dip after he got drafted uh, fifth overall, I believe. And then he was just kind of, eh, but then he really turned some heads. And he seems like a clear guy who, you know, his development over the last year, we have no way to gauge it, but it seems significant for Jonathan India. Yeah, and this is kind of a a range where I put three guys, uh, Jaron Duran, Jonathan India, Taylor Trammell, that I don't. I don't necessarily believe in them long term, and I don't have any shares of any of them in any dynasty leagues. But I would roster them at this point, uh, just inside the top 100, because of proximity. I mean, Duran's going to debut this year. India Trammell, obviously, um, they they have everyday jobs. It seems so. Um, you you just see what they do. I mean, they could hit the ground running. Uh, I, I'm not really in on them, in on them, but uh, you can't ignore what they did to, to win these jobs. And they certainly outperformed my expectations this spring. And um, once you get outside that top, like 75, top 80, I mean, it's, it's really easy to move up in a hurry in that range. Yeah. Um, there's just there's not a lot separating the 90th prospect from the 150th prospect. So, I mean, I think the the proximity factor, and I mean, all it would take is for one of those guys to get off to a, a hot start in April, and you could get a a ton for him in dynasty. So, I think that has to be factored in. Yeah, I gotta say, I like what I've seen from Tremel myself this spring. He's looked really good. I actually have him in one league. Probably the worst place to have him, the Rotowire Stake League, because I just need to finish top half of that league. And you know, you gotta imagine there's some downside with Tremel. If things go really ugly, it could hurt my average. Uh, but looking seeing looking forward to seeing what he can, can do. Maybe provide a little category juice, Taylor Tremel, and uh, getting his first shake. Now, Chris Rodriguez is a guy with a couple arrows down. He actually made the team, but are, are you moving him down, Chris Rodriguez, because you think, you know, he's gonna be in the bullpen and now you're thinking that may very well be where he stays. Well, I think based on, did you see Joe Madden's comments on him from like a couple no. weeks ago? I must have missed uh, I don't think I've ever seen a manager say this about a prospect as highly touted as Rodriguez, but Madden, Madden basically said he looks like a reliever to him. <laughs> <laughs> Buried like, by Joe. I mean, I think, I think Madden's, definitely lost his fastball at this point i mean i I definitely don't i don't consider him in in the upper echelon of managers the way that i i once did but me neither and i think maybe i i think rodriguez has a better chance to start than joe madden but it it definitely matters what joe madden thinks because he's someone that is uh making those decisions and um i mean i think the the angels I mean, he's he's on the forty man. I think you, it's hard to argue that he's one of their eight or nine best relievers at this point because he's got disgusting stuff. But with with kind of all three of those guys, like I've I've AJ Park, Michael Kopech, Chris Rodriguez, 
and then even Shane McClanahan right right behind them. I mean, they're all guys where they have a very high ceiling as a starter or as a reliever, but it just sort of seems for various reasons. And in the case of Puck and Kopech and Rodriguez, a lot of it's just missed time and injuries. Um, they might kind of get pigeonholed in that reliever role. And once a guy has success out of the bullpen, you know, if, if there are concerns about his durability and, and what might happen if you stretch him out, it's a lot easier to leave them in the bullpen if you know that they're having success there. So I think that that's definitely something to consider. I mean, it doesn't mean that Rodriguez can't be the Angels closer in like a year. I mean, that could that could definitely happen, and, and he'd be pretty awesome in that role. But um, just seems like there's at least a 50% chance that he uh, does not get developed as a starting pitcher. Yeah, you know, I was watching a spring game earlier this year with McClanahan pitching and Eric Neander was raving and talking about how, oh, yeah, we view him as a starter and we keep him as a starter. But then they lose Nick Anderson. You, you can just totally see the Rays. And they did it in the postseason last year, just bringing him in as a long guy. Maybe even getting him some saves, McClanahan, this year. And then if he has success, you just kind of – you don't officially close the book, but you kind of quietly move away from starting project. Uh, Akil Badu, James, you got to scroll down the list, but he's been added. Rule five guy, and I mean, credit to him. He really, I mean, not only did he hit well enough for them to want to keep him around, but I can see Akil Badu maybe starting quite a bit with this team in evaluation mode. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's not a, <laughs> that, if you if you are a, a person with a pulse who has any talent at all, you should be able to um, stake your claim to some significant at-bats on that roster. Um, no kidding. I mean, it's going to be bad tomorrow. Especially with Miggy at first base. I mean, yeah. I mean, get obviously you can tell by where field. I slotted the do in, you know, uh, 246. I am very skeptical that what he did this spring is legit. But Again, like, you know, like if, if I can bump Michael Harris up um, a ways based on his improvement, um, even though they might have been more documented than Badu's prior to the Rule 5 draft, like, we don't know. I don't know for sure that Badu isn't just a much better player um, prior to spring training than he had been when we last saw him. It just seems like you know, rule five guys are, are available for a reason. And I think Detroit was obviously, that was a savvy move scooping him up, but um, you had 29 other teams that could have gotten him for basically nothing and chose not to. So um, the opportunity is great. I mean, we always, how, how often are we talking about prospects and saying, Oh, we wish they were on the tigers. Well, Badu's on the tigers and he's got a chance. Uh, he's definitely got, interesting tools i just i worry about how long he can keep his head above water against big league pitching um but yeah he, yeah, this he seems like spot a, on maybe a small sample trap a little bit oh yeah i i would bet it is a small sample trap but i mean i'm not gonna just you know he's got no enough speed to steal double digit bases and enough power to hit double digit home runs and he's got a shot at everyday playing time so I think he, I think I do have to rank him, but I yeah. 
I'm not telling people, and I've, I've told plenty of people over the past week, like I, I've got more questions about Akil Badu probably than anyone. And I, I have not been saying, yeah, you got to go get him or you got to go at him. Like I'm, I'm definitely uh, skeptical, but he, he earned his way into the two fifties. <laughs> yeah. We always do talk about, Oh man, I wish, you know, who was that guy on the, uh, the A's Matt? Uh, well, I, I corner wish... or middle infield guy, but I forget his name. There's always I mean, guys wish... that we wish would get playing time. I wish Drew Waters was on the Tigers. I mean, that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one pains me a little bit, but it's not a surprise given our conversations over the past couple of months. Hunter Green down big time, 230. It seems like this will probably make you the, the low man on Hunter Green, I imagine, in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where other people have him. Uh, I just want to make it very clear to our subscribers that you should not be optimistic with this one. This this is one where odds are it's just not going to work out. And if you're in a shallow enough league where there are guys, like a handful of guys, you know, inside the top 200 that are maybe available, I don't think there's any shame in cutting bait on Hunter Green at this point. I mean, Best case scenario, like if I'm if I'm holding him right now, what I'm hoping for is that he becomes the Reds' closer. I think hoping that he develops into a a quality starting pitcher. Like even if that happens, we're talking like three years down the road at least, probably before that happens. And obviously, he could get hurt again. So there's just all kinds of risk. There's not much reason for optimism for the reasons we've talked about a lot with him. I mean, the fastball is it's velocity only. It doesn't really have any other promising characteristics and the secondaries and the command need a lot of work. So um, it's, it's sad, but I just, I don't think people should be just holding him for the name value. You have to look at your league and who's out there, which, which free agents are out there. Um, because there are probably pitchers that a lot of people haven't even heard of who are better players to own right now uh, in Dynasty than, than Hunter Green. Well, it sounds like it's time to to trade. Time to trade if you have them in a league, and maybe that that trading window will uh, will be closing in well, the next year or so. So you might be want to get the most out of your Hunter Green share and cash out while you well, can. Like- I'll give you a couple guys. Like I bet in a lot of dynasty leagues right now, you could drop Hunter Green and pick up either Connor Siebold of the Red Sox or Cole Franklin of the Cubs. And I don't think you would regret that move. I think Siebold probably makes some starts in the majors this year for the Red Sox. He'd been showing uh, much improved velocity uh, this spring and, and Cole Franklin is one of the Cubs best pitching prospects. He's got, uh, probably just as high of a ceiling as Hunter Green as a starting pitcher without the, uh, concerns that come with Green's profile. Well, this is why you're the best in the industry because you are always out ahead of these things, James. And I'm with you, man. I'm from what I saw, love that heater, but nothing else really seems to be there right now. Uh, Miguel Yahure down the list of ways, 290, he's a riser for you, but he's the kind of guy who I didn't really know anything about, but he was kind of like a, a Derek Van Riper guy, a kind of a guy I heard him mention once, uh, just a deep dive guy, and 
you know, you think there's something there for him to pitch this year, Miguel Yahure? Uh, yeah, this is kind of a proximity proximity meets opportunity type of situation. I mean, I think he's kind of I, I wouldn't expect him to be much more than like a number three. Uh, but he's got he's got a starter's repertoire. He's got enough pitches to start. It seems like he's probably got enough command to start. And this is a great organization to be in, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, if you're just looking for that opportunity. I mean, he, he should get uh, a pretty nice you know, 12-15 start run at some point this season, I would imagine. And I don't expect him to be more than like a streamer. Um, the problem with being on the Pirates is you don't get to start the Pirates pitchers against the Pirates because they don't, they don't get to play each other. But um, I think Yahuri maybe shows enough this year that he's well on the uh, mixed league end game uh, side of things next year. Very nice, man. Well, I know you got a draft tonight. I do too. And, uh, and I'm excited for, for tomorrow. I know, uh, well, we were talking about meeting up, maybe watching some, but I got to watch the Reds. I need, I need full attention on the Reds tomorrow, James. So while you yeah, guys I, watch the Brewers, I'll be watching the Reds. I really respect uh, how good of a Reds fan you are. I, <laughs> dude, somebody hit me up on Twitter recently, like in the DMs, was like, "How how are people Reds fans? Like <laughs> it just must be pain all the time. Like it is. I, it is. I am such a fair weather uh, sports fan. It's it's not even not even funny. Oh, so that's I, not true. That's not. I take my hat off. <laughs> Well, good luck in your draft tonight. Anything else you want to mention? A lot of uh, new additions to the top 400 that we didn't mention. Obviously, you guys can check those out for yourself, rotowire.com. But anything else you want to mention? Uh, no, just just hit me up on Twitter or uh, in the. Uh, I'm going to have an article hopefully later today, uh, kind of detailing some of the guys that I think are interesting. But I'm definitely not going to. I'm not going to have time to touch on on all of them or or even like half of the guys that might be interesting. So hit me up in the comment section or on Twitter and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Well, thanks for all the work you do. Check it out for yourself. Top 400 prospects by James Anderson, rotowire.com slash pod. Good luck in uh, the rest of your drafts. Good luck this first opening weekend and hope you'll join us next week on the rotowire prospect podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.